0: Three times a day, every weekday, this happens on RNZ. How's the New Zealand dollar looking? So currently at 56.20. Is it the fifty six twenty. New Zealand dollar also people. buying fifty one point nine. Fifty seven point two US cents after touching fifty five point seven yesterday. It's at eighty seven. In a way, this is easy to understand, right? You've got a hundred bucks. You want to travel to the USA. You need to convert it to US dollars, and you get fifty seven, minus a bit of commission. But it's also not really easy to understand at all. Why do different countries have different currencies? Why do they fluctuate so much? Why did a mini-budget in the UK which promised tax cuts lead to this? The British pound has crashed to a record low against the US dollar as markets react to the UK's biggest tax cuts in 50 years. And then this... Uh, It's at its strongest in about
1: two decades uh, when you compare it to a sort of basket of its kind of major uh, trading partners. That would include the euro, it would include the yen.
0: Why are there so many rain clouds over so many of the world's currencies at the moment? And why is the sun shining on the US greenback? The dollar is very strong. That's the takeaway. I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail... The many, many factors that go into determining the value of a dollar. Giles Beckford is RNZ's business editor. Giles, at a fundamental sort of level, what are currencies?
2: They are... uh... I suppose, in the broader sense, they're stores of value. In other words, they tell us that uh, the note uh, or the coins or the swipe of the uh, FPOS card, they will buy you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and and your economy is worth so much. This is what's in circulation. So in a very basic sense, that's what the currency is. And it, it could be not just a dollar. It could be in the centuries, millennial, uh, millenniums gone past. You know, it was shells. Mm. You know, it was bits of wood, stones, ceramics. You know, and China, of course, is um, credited with bringing what might be regarded as some of the first currency that was um, uh, invented uh, and used around the world. But you know, we've seen it right through ancient history. Uh, here is something, it's a means of exchange, uh, and you and I can do business in buying and selling goods and services with that currency. So that that's the most basic uh, use of currency. And so is the benefit of a currency that,
0: you know, we previously trade might have been I will give you some coffee beans, and you give me some kiwi fruits. But that is dependent on me wanting coffee beans and you wanting kiwi fruit,
2: and both of us agreeing that my ten kilos of coffee beans yeah. uh, equate to your five trays of kiwi fruit. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And you turn to me and say, "No, no, 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 no. Actually, I'm getting really good hides. Uh, I'm getting ten hides for my uh, yeah. kiwi fruit. So actually, you know." you've got to pay me more or else I'll go buy hides. Um, That's a very simple uh, equation there where you're making a judgment against another currency, in this case it's a hide, uh, as opposed to my coffee beans. Right,
0: and so currencies in our sort of modern interpretation of them are sort of uh, a neutral thing that we have imbued with value and all other goods that you might want to purchase are hooked into that neutral thing in terms of, of how much of those goods this neutral... Thing this currency can buy.
2: Yeah, it's a means to an end. It's a convenient and simple way of being able to say, this is how we value services, goods in our economy. They may change, and we won't go into the reasons that that might happen. But you know, from time to time, we will uh, uh, agree on the value of this. Um, and here's a convenient way of doing the deal.
0: Chris Tennant-Brown is a senior economist at ASB. I asked him, what? Factors dictate the value of a currency.
1: Well, at a very simple level, supply and demand. If we're um, if we're talking about um, what's a New Zealand dollar worth relative to a US dollar, literally thousands of people meet uh, in, in the market, uh, wanting to buy and sell currencies for all the various reasons they do, uh, be it trade, uh, travel, uh, speculation, investment. Um, and, and so there's a meeting point where, um, where you can determine the price of, of one dollar versus another. And that's, uh, and that's what happens every single day.
0: And so what are some of the factors that would make a currency strong? Like what, what are the things that would influence whether a currency trader wishes to invest in a certain currency or not?
1: Well, I, I think um, you've got to broaden it up from a currency trader and think what makes people want to, want to buy or sell their, um, their dollars uh, and, 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 and buy or sell someone else's. Mm. Um, so a currency trader is only one aspect in, in that. Sure. Um, there's um, people that are carrying out trade. There's people that are traveling. There's people that are speculating. There's people that are investing. Um, what determines what they'll pay is is, is how strong they feel about what they want to do. Part of that feeling is, at the moment, that that I think is is, uh, prevalent in the market, is fear. Uh, There's a fear about um, a global economic slowdown, there's fears about inflation, and uh, that tends to uh, favour currencies like the US dollar, which is so strong at, at present.
0: Why doesn't everybody in the world just use one currency? Why don't we have like a global dollar?
2: In many cases, people might say that the U.S. dollar is a de facto world currency. It is the currency of commodities. Uh, It is the world's biggest economy. But what it does mean, of course, is that uh, what happens in the U.S. economy would then start to dictate uh, the policies in a lot of countries. Because if you use, uh, say, a U.S. dollar, Uh, or you are pegged to the U.S. dollar, and some currencies are are pegged to the U.S. dollar. So when it goes up, they go up. When it goes down, they go down. But, of course, countries are surrendering some of their sovereignty, uh, their economic and financial sovereignty, if if there was only one uh, global currency, because circumstances in New Zealand are different from what's happening in large parts of Asia or in Africa uh, or the Middle East. Uh, and you know, it, it's probably not feasible or sensible. You know, but we'll wait and see. In you know, centuries to come, perhaps we'll find a way of doing it, but for the time being and the current economic structures that exist and the way that we trade, then you have to say that each uh, country or many countries want to have their own currencies to suit their own economic imperatives.
0: You mentioned that the US currency might be regarded as the sort of de facto Uh, global currency and it's the currency of the commodity
2: markets and so on and so forth. Why is that? It's the world's biggest economy, right? What Uncle Sam says, what Uncle Sam does is so influential, it's so dominant throughout the world. In the past when people have wanted to look to an economy that was going to drive the world, uh, that was going to sustain trade, uh, it was the United States, or it has become the United States. You yeah, know, In centuries past, in fact, it was probably Britain, but now it's the United States. So what they do really sets the pace, the tone for uh, the rest of the world. Uh, and you have to say that being such a large economy, then, of course, there's safety in that. If you are to buy uh, U.S. assets, uh, then you know that you've got a degree of security uh, and strength about those assets uh, that will stand you in good uh, stead. Is having a strong currency
0: a uniformly good thing?
2: Uh, No, it's not always uh, a good thing, although countries tend to have a degree of economic arrogance which is that you know our economy is going so good that uh, we should have a strong currency it's a sign of a uh, a, a strong economy um, and you stand tall on the world but uh, the reality is that there are consequences to that uh, we've found that uh, a high currency of course it denture your export returns um, because you only you get fewer new zealand dollars for instance for a U.S. dollar uh, if we've got a high exchange rate. Conversely, a lower currency at the moment, although New Zealand dollar is sitting around 55, 56 U.S. cents, that's actually not too bad because you know, it means our exports are actually earned, when they're converted back into New Zealand dollars, there's a bigger pile of them. If you have a, a high currency, a high-valued currency, it means that you're... Interest payments are probably lower, so your foreign debts uh, aren't as big a burden on you. Conversely, a lower currency means that your interest payments, assuming they're denominated in US dollars, uh, then your interest payments will will cost you more. In the end, you feel feel a bigger burden. So there's a balance there. You find that in some uh, countries, Japan's a perfect example at the moment, where their government, uh, which has been keeping interest rates pretty low and have escaped the pandemic uh, in possibly good shape with lowish inflation. But they uh, are artificially keeping their currency low in order to boost their exports.
0: Well, the yen tumbled to a 24-year low against the dollar this week, a level not
1: seen since 1998. The biggest reason for its weakness is divergence of monetary policy. While other central banks have moved benchmark interest rates higher, Japan's have remained ultra low. The exchange rate isn't part of the Bank of Japan's mandate. The central bank is focused instead on keeping a lid on inflation and supporting growth, most
2: recently impacted by the pandemic. In the current environment, they're looking to maximise that so they're intervening to suppress the value of the Japanese yen. And that's why, for instance, our exchange rate against the Japanese yen wasn't so long ago was sitting at decade highs because Japan's moving to keep their currency artificially low. It can get into tit for tat. You have a thing called currency wars in the past where countries have moved to keep their currency low in order to get a trade advantage. They attract retaliation. Donald Trump, Uh, As president got very antsy about that very thing uh, against China, where he accused China of keeping its currency low in order to boost its trade returns. And he said those were at, uh, at the expense of U.S. producers, the U.S. economy, hence his move in part to retaliate with the imposition of tariffs
0: bring this back to the idea of having a strong currency is not a uniformly good thing it is
2: a shorthand maybe
0: that like if you're an exporter if you're Fonterra or you're uh, Zespri or whatever you want the dollar to be weak because then you're getting more New Zealand dollars for your product essentially when you export it whereas if you are an importer like a Mediterranean food warehouse or if you own a building company and you import lots of materials from overseas you want the dollar to be strong because then you're getting more bang for your buck.
2: That's, that's what you would, in the most simple sense, yes. that's the sort of trade off that you'd like. If you're bringing it in, then bringing in goods and services, then of course you want them as cheap as possible because you want market share, you want to sell them at good prices uh, to get people passing with their cash here in New Zealand. But um, you know, there's a balance there, and you know, people will take f- businesses. Of course, uh, there's a whole industry called hedging which uh, people will engage in in order to lock in uh, prices uh, for for foreign exchange uh, for the value of goods and services so that they're protected against volatility uh, and wild swings. Uh, Air New Zealand is a perfect example. Jet fuel is priced in US dollars. Air New Zealand will go out, it will buy this hedging, which is a form of insurance. It will specify that these contracts buy the US dollar at say 65 cents to the dollar. Now the world price for jet fuel may fall, in which case Air New Zealand might say, well we're out of pocket because the rate that we were pegging was 65, but in fact, you know the price of a barrel of um, jet fuel hmm. is now 75. Yeah. right So they're out the money, but if it were to fall, say, to 55, then they've actually protected themselves from that. So there's swings and roundabouts. Like a fixed
0: versus floating mortgage rate, in a way.
2: That's right. So people are trying to protect themselves on on that sort of thing. And, And there is no desirable level. mm in, yeah. in the end, if you believe in the free market, and you know, I know that at times that can be exceedingly difficult, and, perhaps, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and at times you know, such as now with volatility, people believe even less in the free market. Uh, but the point is that when things move around, you've got to take the good with the bad, but you know, there are products there that will help people to at least mitigate the, the worst excesses.
0: You talked earlier about how the past six months have been particularly turbulent on exchange on on the currency market.
2: Why is that uncertainty they would say you know people when things become uncertain then just the general sentiment has people going for safety you know, and the safety is u s dollars but one of the key issues that we 've had This year, not just the past six months, but this year has been inflation uh, and the move by central banks around the world to raise interest rates. New Zealand uh, started a little bit earlier than most. We started a year ago uh, with interest rate rises, and it was about that time when, with local interest rates rising, that foreign investors were saying, well, not too bad. You know, this looks an interesting market. We can make some money here because New Zealand's interest rates were starting to rise in advance of the rest of the world. Mm. And so people were saying, well, if we invest in that New Zealand asset, then, of course, we're going to have to buy New Zealand dollars to pay for it. So that helped to support the New Zealand dollar. But this year, of course, we've seen... The Reserve Bank of Australia. The Reserve Bank surprised many economists by raising the cash rate by half a percentage point, the biggest hike in more than 20 years, with warnings of more to come.
0: Bank of England. With inflation now expected to be in double digits for months, the Bank of England have raised interest rates to the highest level since 2008.
2: And the US Federal Reserve in particular.
1: Just moments ago, the Fed uh, releasing another interest rate increase of three quarters of a percentage point. This is the fifth time the Fed has raised rates this year. And been Based on a forecast from Chair uh, Jerome Powell, there are likely two more increases still to come.
2: That means that uh, U.S. dollar assets, their interest rates, they look more attractive. So, of course, money is going towards the United States because that's where the yield is, that's where the profit is. Um, and then this is where you're comparing the rate of uh, change, uh, or interest rate rises in the United States against the uh, rate of increases in New Zealand. And you're seeing that the Fed's doing faster, is probably going to go a little bit further than New Zealand. And so from that point of view, you could say, well, that's where the money is. The money is, is in US dollar assets.
0: Another sort of real world example that's that's happened over the past couple of weeks is um, the bottoming out of the British pound, which has plummeted to historic lows. Why has that happened broadly?
2: Loss of confidence, we'd have to say. Um, yeah, the the... I mean, the fundamental issues that have come through in the mini-budget that was put forward was essentially cutting taxes, but they were unfunded, right? And the implication was that they would have to be covered by borrowing, which at a time of high inflation uh, is absurd. Uh, And the way that a lot of British pension funds have been set up with the tumbling of... Uh, interest rate yields, the value of the bonds that they hold in their pension funds, meant that some of them actually had their backs to the wall. Um, There was talk that some of them, if the Bank of England hadn't stepped in, that they would have failed. Now, that's where the Bank of England started or said last week.
1: Now, on Wednesday, the Bank of England made an emergency intervention in the markets, saying it would start buying £5 billion worth of long-term government bonds for an initial period of 13 days, around £65 billion total.
2: The last thing you want in an economy such as Britain is to see pension funds with hundreds of thousands of people going broke. That's just untenable economically, financially, morally and politically. They needed to step in, but in that environment, in the uncertainty, with the weakness that uh, was present in the British economy, uh, people were dumping the pound sterling. They're saying this is no longer, you know, the sure bet. This is no longer. Uh, uh, it's not as safe an investment uh, as we thought. It's not as safe a currency as we thought. You know, better to actually go for something that is stronger uh, and more stable. The US dollar will do, thank you. Uh, or else we might buy the euro, or we might buy the Swiss franc, which is always a favourite uh, at times of crisis. Right.
0: Okay. So so Britain basically, uh, it, it unveils this mini-budget, which contains lots of spending, um, and it's unclear how they're going to pay for it. So the inference is that they're going to pay for this by borrowing that money. And currency investors f- are, are, are thinking, oh boy, um, we don't like all of the unknowns that there are here. Stability is our sort of is, is our best friend in a way and upside stability and upside of what we're looking for. You can't provide that. So we're gonna take our money somewhere else. We're not going to invest in, in your currency in your country in a sense. We're gonna put that money somewhere else and then we're left with the old sort of supply and demand kind of thing where Britain has currency that people don't really want and so the value of the pound falls.
2: That's uh, that's a, a, a good summation of it. And the other thing, of course, is that people who had invested in British assets, for instance, they may have bought a pound sterling uh, at, at a more expensive time so that they're sitting on potential losses there of perhaps hundreds of millions of pounds. The last thing they want to do is to be caught left with the parcel when the music stops. Um, and so they'll sell their assets in order to preserve their own financial positions, uh, and that's uh, you know not an uncommon uh, move, not an uncommon reason for currencies to rise and fall. Uh, and in that basis, as you say, uncertainty, weakness—they're uh, two of the uh, big uh, enemies of currencies that trade around the world. And I
0: mean, the, the drop in the pound was the was was very dramatic, and so understandably it caught the headlines, but. The pound is not the only currency that's been... Actually, many currencies have been dropping against the greenback, haven't they? The South Korean won is at a 13-year low. Japanese yen was at a 24-year low recently. So is it, it's not so much that the British pound is uniquely weak, it's that the greenback is uniquely strong,
2: Yes, in particular, that's a that's a you know a very good way of just putting it. These other currencies, they're not too bad, but the greenback it it, it looks super strong. That's where we want to be. That's where we need to be, uh, for a variety of reasons. Remembering that a lot of currencies aren't traded necessarily for the innate value of you know. The price of uh, kiwi fruit and butter and the like. They're traded because people uh, are shifting tens of millions of dollars around at any one time, doing financial deals, doing investment deals, um, just speculating as well. So, you know, all these things come into play and have influences uh, on currency levels.
0: Where do we come into all of this? How have we been tracking in the recent past? And is there any indication as to where we might go in the short-term future?
2: Uh, although New Zealand dollar is one of the 10 most uh, traded currencies in the world, we have to say that uh, much of what influences the Kiwi is out of our control. It, it's in inner reaction to events overseas. In the big global currency pool, we are but a cork that bobs along the waves. Mm-hmm. Right? When things are reasonably quiet, when our prospects look good, when dairy prices are high, uh, then and the, current, and the economy is uh, performing well, then we find that the New Zealand dollar tends to rise on that. Uh, our interest rates, of course, are higher than many other developed countries, say through Europe or the United States. That tends to attract Um, some investors uh, who are seeking a higher return. But when things get jittery, when things become uncertain when you don't know uh, which deficit is going to hit which fan then of course people go look I don't really need to worry about the New Zealand dollar or perhaps even the Australian dollar at this stage. The main thing that um, we should be looking for to preserve our pension fund, the value of our assets is what's happening in the United States. That will dictate uh, dictate what happens. That's it for today. I'm
0: Emile Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole and produced by Sarah Robson. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Giles Beckford and Chris Tennant-Brown. Mate